You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the Fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. All right, so it's Monday, and uh, yesterday the Dolphins faced the Bengals, and uh, with me here to talk about the game is Louis Ragoni. Hey, Dolphins. Big win again yesterday, huh? Win number four? You know, it's funny, Louis, because uh, I think you and I both preferred that maybe they dropped the game. <laughs> but uh, I'll send a lot of other people. Yeah, but, uh, you know, you have those people who, you know, can't conceive the team, a fan ever wanting the team to lose a game. And, you know, I, I would tell them, have an open mind, because it depends on how you look at things. And the way I look at things is, what's going to help our future? One loss against the Bengals or, you know, a, a franchise-type player, an elite athlete, you know. And picking second in the draft, you're probably going to get an elite athlete unless you just totally screw it up. So that's that's where I was coming from. You know, I would always uh, prefer that the team has a couple of elite athletes. I mean, you look at the effect Aaron Donald has on a game or uh, one of the Boza boys has on a game, you know, and then they impact games. They, they make it more difficult for the other team. And that's what you want. You want players that make it more difficult for the other team. Uh, right now, we don't have a lot of those. So the only way we're going to get them is to draft them. And uh, if we're in a prime draft position, it makes that job just a little bit easier. So that's that's where I was coming from. And Lou, I would think you feel similar. Yes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I talk about it all the time during the podcast in regard to uh, the lack of playmakers on either side of the football. And, uh, you know, you can go back to Ricky Williams as maybe our last star player on yeah, this team, probably. Jason Taylor. Uh, Cameron well, Wake. Offensively, it would be Williams. Defensively, uh, we've had a few. We've had, you know, I mean, Jason Taylor is a guy that, you know, it, he changed games. Wake was a very solid, solid football player, but I don't know if I put him in the same category as Jason Taylor. No, because he did not cause the turmoil that uh, J- that Jason caused. Exactly. So, but a great player nonetheless. You know, getting back to what you said, Mike. Initially, I mean that that's the bottom line. This team has to have playmakers on both sides of the football. We have to have a few star players. We have a lot of really good, solid football players right now, but we have to get guys that just impact games. Impact games on both sides of the football, and then you throw in all these other little pieces to the puzzle, and you have a very solid football team in the NFL nowadays. I mean, we, we had Parker impact a couple of games this year, and he, he really did. And, you know, he's growing into that type of player. But, you know, will he be consistent? Will he stay healthy? These are questions we have to see. Mm-hmm. And the other advantage that that lower draft seating would have given us is in round two and round three and round four and round five, you're picking before everybody else. Exactly. And people kind of lose sight of that aspect of it as well. Those picks are much more valuable. So if you want to trade down, you're going to get something in return. Uh, Whereas, you know, if you're in the eighth or ninth spot and you're trading down, you're not going to get quite as much. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a a benefit throughout the draft and uh, it's a benefit for the team in multiple different ways that people overlook when they talk about this. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that aside, uh, they did win. It was an interesting game to watch. It was really, uh, 
like watching two different games because, I mean, the Bengals looked totally disinterested, in my opinion, for the better part of three quarters. And uh, then they decided they wanted to play. I don't know exactly what happened, who turned the light switch on. But, uh, I mean, we saw them score, what, a couple of touchdowns in less than a minute? Yeah, they had three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, 23 points. And on the three touchdowns, they, they converted two two-point conversions after touchdowns. So, I mean, they our defense failed us a lot in that fourth quarter. And uh, I think it had more to do with the fact that we just, you know, we just failed ourselves there um, offensively. I mean, we can get to it. We can go through the game, Mike, and then talk about the fourth quarter because maybe we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Uh that was the worst time of the game. So let's let's start off with the good, maybe, huh? All right. So, let, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we were talking about the game in general, and that, yes. that was my impression on the game in general. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the Dolphins came through. They did what they needed to do. They walked away with the win. So, you know, for Flores and the players, I'm happy. You have to be happy for them. And, um, you know, in regard to the draft, Mike, before we move on from that, um, you know, worst case scenario – coming into this week was at that five position in the draft and that's where we're at right now even with the win which is a positive because it could have been a lot worse it could have been. Uh, we've had some things happen with other teams over the last couple of weeks that have definitely affected where we would have been because i mean we could have dropped way way down and top five pick is still going to be a very solid pick in each round it's not a top two or three but you know, we, we've got, you know, at this point, there's nothing we can do about it. It could have been worse. It could have been better. So even with a loss yesterday, Mike, what was the best we were looking at? Maybe Two. third? We would have been in second. We would have been in second with yeah. a loss. Okay, gotcha. So, I mean, that's that's a big jump, and yeah. it, it would have helped us incredibly, but, you know. Hey, it is what it is. Take the good uh, you know, with but, the bad. But people question your loyalty when you tell them, listen, I'd really prefer they lost, you know, and they, they get all haywire in their head and think, you know, what kind of fan is that? They can't be a good fan, you know. They don't get it. Well, let's put it in perspective, Mike. Yeah. Okay. So if Cincinnati kicks the game-winning field goal in overtime and we lose, does it take anything away from how the effort, how the guys played um, on the offensive side of the – on the offensive side of the game, you know, the, uh, no, Fitz still had a great game. Parker still had a great game. It really doesn't change anything other than the final score. Gasicki had a very solid game. Albert Wilson had a very solid game. Gaskins looked good running the football. The pass protection for the most part looked pretty good. I mean, they had a few breakdowns, but I mean, he threw the ball a ton of times yesterday. I mean, I think, we he dropped back to pass fifty two times yesterday fifty two, yeah. And um, I I don't That's think because they can't really run, right? I don't think they had more than a couple of sacks yesterday in fifty two dropbacks. So the offensive line, for the most part, I felt did a pretty good job yesterday as well. So there were a lot of positives that would have came out of that game one way or another. Um, you know, whether we lost by a field goal or we won by a field goal. I mean, does it matter when is all said when all is said and done? Probably not. Not this you know? season, no. It not doesn't. this season. It doesn't. Not in the least. So it is what it is. You know, we, they recovered an onside kick and, you know, they just had a lot of things go their way. We played horrible defense in the fourth quarter. We missed a field goal in the fourth quarter that would have basically, you know, buried them. Uh, it left the door open for them. Right. 
You know, anyway. with, the, with the guys we have in that secondary, you know, a, a bad fourth quarter is to be expected. You know, they're, they're having trouble competing back there. If uh, the quarterback's on target, those guys are going to have problems. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> let me throw some names at you, Mike. Um, <laughs> just give me, give me one second here. I mean, this is quite funny on the defensive side, okay? I mean, I'll throw names at you, and these are the type of guys that are in there. No, I know. Calvin Munson, Trent Harris. Right. Uh, I mean, it yeah, goes Nobody's on. really heard of. You Nate know? Brooks, yeah. Adrian Colbert. Um, I mean, uh, Montre Hartage, Tay Hayes. I mean, and it goes on and on. Lyndon Stevens. I mean, these are guys that are probably not going to be part of the team next year. And these are guys that are getting an incredible amount of playing time at this point. So, you know, well, that's take- that's why the defense is going to have lapses. I mean, it's as simple as that. And I, I, I cringe to think what Brady might do to that secondary next week. Oh, yeah. No question about it. Uh, the good on the defensive side was the fact was the fact that they bottled up Mixon pretty well. yesterday. they really did. You know, for three quarters, they had what since- was his longest run? I, I really don't think it was very long. I could be mistaken. Yeah, it, it may be three yards. Um, yeah. He averaged two and a half yards a carry. I mean, yeah. they gave the ball to him 21 times yesterday. He had 50 yards even. He uh, averaged two and a half yards a carry, Mike. Yeah, that's that's impressive. So at least we know the front seven were getting it done that way anyway. And there was a little bit of a pass rush on uh, Dalton. They did. They, you know, more so than what I've seen. Yeah. Over the course of the year, it may have been our best game in regard to a pass rush. Considering they didn't play any of their defensive ends. <laughs> uh, Moss was inactive. Uh, uh, Taco Charlton was inactive. And Charles Harris was inactive. I mean, unbelievable. I, you know, that kind of caught me by surprise, you know. I mean, it tells you, Mike. Yeah, it I mean, tells the, you a lot. The message is on the wall there. If you cannot even be active at defensive end on this team, which absolutely, it's an absolute necessity, then, you know, the message has been sent. You won't see those guys on the field next year either. Probably not, no. They won't be part of this football team. I don't don't see it happening. Uh, You know, on the defensive side, how about that guy, Zach uh, Sealer? Siler, Siler. However you pronounce his name, he looks like he can play football. I mean, Wow. We've got to, you know, we've got to throw some some credit to him. He, and I mean, another this, guy we have to give credit to is uh, Equivon, or however you pronounce his name. <laughs> <laughs> we got past Gasicki, and I'm now not sure if it's Equivon or Guavin, but whatever it is, uh, <laughs> he has really come on the second half of the season. He played very well yesterday. Yes, he, he had a, he had a really really solid game, and uh, boy, I'll tell you what, this Zach Sealer. Whoever he is, Siler, Sealer, he had an exceptional game. I mean, I saw him take Mixon down one on one. I mean, yeah. he just looked like he looked fantastic. He had a sack. He was enthusiastic. And, you know, again, we've thrown so many guys at the wall, Mike. We talk about this all the time. Maybe we found a guy that rotates in and out at that defensive tackle position that is actually going to be a player on this football team. Well, you've got John Jenkins, who's, who's played reasonably well at tackle. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you've got uh, Gotchow and Wilkins, who were some weeks better than others, but they've been pretty consistently good. 
I think they were good yesterday, you know, in tandem. Uh, you know, they, they each had, you know, points in the game when maybe they weren't as good as they could have been. But, that you know, that's going to happen. There's people on the other side of the line of scrimmage, too. But uh, I think by, as a group, they did very, very well. On offense, uh, I thought the receivers all played well. I was really impressed with Isaiah Ford, you know, a, a guy that uh, we really didn't expect to see contributing like he is. And, and I think he's come in and shown, hey, guys, look at me. Yeah, he's stepped up. He's done an exceptional job. And Albert Wilson has looked great. Looks a little uh, quicker than he did earlier. This he season. he does. He sure does. He he's catching balls. He's making guys miss. He's getting open. And you know that's the thing you love about Fitzpatrick is the fact that he gets everybody involved. I mean everybody. I can't tell you how many. Let me see. He had he had completions to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different players yesterday. Completions to ten different. Players. Here's something to think about, Lewis. Mm-hmm. Now we see Tannehill playing reasonably well in Tennessee. You know, mm-hmm. in some weeks he's actually doing something that we would have liked to see him do here, and that's raising the level of the offense. But when you see Parker's production and you see Kasicki's production, uh, it, it's they're both much improved over what they were last year. Uh, what I think it comes down to personally is Fitzpatrick's ability to extend plays and his awareness of what's going on downfield as compared to Tannehill. Would you agree with that? And if so, do you think the offensive line in Tennessee is that much better than ours, and that's the difference in Tannehill's game? Well, part one of your question, I totally agree with question or your statement, whatever you want to call it. Tannehill, recognition-wise, was very poor over and over again, and that was our issue with him for years. Fitzpatrick, if you watch him and you know the game of football, you see the difference. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, I remember a few plays yesterday where there were blitzes, and instead of taking sacks or instead of giving up on plays, Fitzpatrick either threw it away, got rid of the football without taking a sack, or he created a big play downfield. The Gasicki touchdown comes to mind where Mm -hmm. he kind of got out of the pocket. He he had his eyes downfield. Gasicki wound up breaking away from the guy that was covering him, and boom, six points on a basically a broken play. That's what this guy does. That's the big difference. Now, in regard to the team that Tannehill has out in Tennessee compared to what he had here, yes, they're much. I think they're much better. I mean, that's, that's obvious. They have a running game, and, and it's funny because I think they've now lost three in a row. You know, we were praising Tannehill, and I know he's played pretty well, but they're not winning football games, right. Mike, and that's the bottom line when it's right. all said and done. Um, so, But I don't think he's made the critical errors at the end of games, and, and I, I don't think it's necessarily been his fault that they've lost. I, I, I don't watch Tennessee that much, but based on what I've seen anyway. Well, over the course of the game, Mike, you'd have to sit there and dissect it. You'd right. have to sit there and say how many times – did he, he that he didn't. Did he did he not early in these games create something? Because I never had a problem with him late in the games. I mean, the funny thing about Tannehill was was that he basically would be better when he didn't have to think, when he was just out there in a two-minute drill. And we said that over and over again over the years. He seemed to excel in that situation. He would just not think about running and taking off and getting a first down. 
But over the course of the three, <laughs> the first three quarters, uh, he, he just drove you crazy. Third and threes, third and fours. Even on, Mike on third and long, how many times did how many times did we say forget it? There's no way we're yeah, picking right. this up. Now yesterday, I don't, I can't tell you how many times we picked up third and longs. There was a third and twelve pass to Parker where Fitzpatrick just drilled it in between two guys for a first down, and and he's been consistently doing that even in third and longs. So that's the big difference I see in between I mean, the two. This, this line is not as skilled as the line that Tannehill played behind. Not that that line was good because it wasn't, but this line is, you know, not not close talent-wise. Oh, no question. Obviously, Tunsil's not here anymore. And, you know, Juwan James. Pouncey's not here anymore. James is not here anymore. Yes. And all three of those guys could play. Anyway, you know, I, I don't want to make this about Tannehill, but but I, I'm just curious, you know, how you see it, because uh, I know you watch the league a little more than I do. Yes. And uh, yeah, just go ahead. No, he and, you know, Tannehill, we got to give him credit because he's played very, very well. But if you put Tannehill on this football team that we have right now, he's not doing Nowhere near what Fitzpatrick is doing. I mean, I'm watching a lot of football around the league, Mike, and Fitzpatrick's level of play since he took back over, since he took this team back over, is he's got to be a top 10 quarterback. I know since the bye week he is. Yes, absolutely. So you look around the league and you look at quarterback play and – He's been consistently good, and you got to throw in the fact as to what he's working behind in regard to offensive line and the fact, I've said this over and over again, and the fact that they don't have a running game. Yeah. Um, yesterday I mentioned to you how nice it would be if Drake was still on this team and, and how, how much he would be contributing with Fitzpatrick back there at quarterback, you know? So, you know, we, we got to give credit where credit's due. Anybody who um, – is not happy with Fitzpatrick and his quarterback play or, you know, wants to move on from him, I think is absolutely crazy. I don't have any problem with him coming back. I've said it before. I'll say it again. As a bridge, as a bridge. As a bridge, exactly. Assuming they draft a rookie and he's not ready to start, then, you know, Fitzpatrick has probably deserved to be your starter unless uh, Rosen does a 180 sometime between now and next September. Exactly. All right. So, what were your what were your Let's get back to the uh, game. What were your thoughts of the second half? Well, the second half. I mean, we we did pretty well up until the fourth quarter. Jasicki uh, had a ball over the Jasicki had a ball over the middle that um, would have been a real nice play. I don't know if you remember it. Fitzpatrick threw a pass, kind of a little bit behind him, maybe, but the defender just came and just put his shoulder pad right on the football. Yep. And that would have been a nice play. That would have probably he, he Gasecki would have had over 100 yards. Yeah, yesterday I, I didn't blame him it. for that. He was no, by no means. He was, yeah, that was a good defensive play. It was an excellent, excellent defensive play. And um, you know, you look at Isaiah Ford. He played really, really well in the second half. Um, you know, there, there, the second half to me compared to the first half was just totally different situation. I mean. We put 21 points on the board in the first half, and in the third quarter, we scored a touchdown. And in the fourth quarter, we scored a touchdown. We also missed a field goal in the fourth quarter, which, Turned like out I said big. earlier, yeah. right, was big. But the consistent thing through the game was, was Fitzpatrick. Uh, he did have the one interception. I think that, you know, they went to the well one too many times with the, you know, the throwing up 
Uh, I, sometime- I, w- I wouldn't phrase it that way, Lewis. I mean, they're, they're 50-50 passes. You're not going to win them all. Yeah. I mean, the defender had real good position on him on yep. that play. Yep. And, you know, you, when you're releasing the ball, you just throw Like you said, it's a 50-50 ball. I just didn't like the placement. Yes. You know, I, I yeah, felt it was, that a, it was a bit inside. It was a bit inside, which allowed the defender to make the play on it. And he was waiting on it, it seemed to me. Like, he, he was in position one way or another. He kind of boxed Parker out. And, um, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, the mistakes – the interceptions that Fitzpatrick has had since he turned, you know, since he took over again, a lot of them have been dropped, tip balls by, you know, some of our receivers. He hasn't thrown a lot of really bad interceptions where you're like, oh, God, what was I, I he call, thinking? I call them WTF throws. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> there you go. That's perfect. Yeah, that's a that that's a perfect way to uh You know, you just don't know what he them. you don't know what he saw. You don't know what he was doing because the ball goes straight to a defender and there's no you know offensive player in the neighborhood. Right. You're not reading the defense right. You right. know, you're not you, you're not anticipating. And sometimes it could being. be a player mistake. Maybe a receiver cuts out when he thought he was going to cut in or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. it's not always on the quarterback when those happen, but that's what I call those throws, you know, because mm-hmm. something happened, we just don't know what. So you say WTF, you know. Right. So and, anyway. And the efficiency. Yeah. You know, we talked, you talked about Isaiah Ford a little bit, um, you know, the injuries to, to guys and guys stepping in. And they're just, they still seem crisp. You know, if you think back to when we lost Williams, we were worried. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We were like, where's it going to come from? Right, because Wilson wasn't back to his self yet. Uh, right. Grant wasn't really back to his self yet, they, right. you know, on the field from what we could see. And uh, we just didn't know who was going to step up. And as it turns out, uh, to a certain point, all three of them did. Grant ended up on IR. But, mm-hmm. you know, all three of them are playing at a, a higher level now than they were at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Now, who's the third one you're referring to? Are you talking w- about? Wilson's, Isaiah Ford, and uh, Grant. And Grant, I got you. Yeah, well, Grant, you know, he he had a very short yeah. period before he got hurt right where but he was he seemed to be back to himself in the game that he or the game prior to him getting hurt correct the guy that's been somewhat of a disappointment to me has been Hearns um you know, he's done a little bit he's come up with a few big plays here and there but I really felt that when they signed him to this contract and once Preston Williams went down then we'd see a lot more out of him and he's been the least productive out of all of them and you can throw Isaiah Ford into that mix as well because Ford's had much better games than Hearns had has had over the last three weeks. So, you know, I mean, Hearns seems to be streaky to me. Yeah, I, I I don't know I don't know what the situation is with him, but I guess he's just going to be a possession type receiver for us, and I guess that's what you're going to see out of him. And they signed him to a contract, and uh, you know he's going to be here, you know, going into next season and the year after. I think he signed a two year extension, right? Yes. Yeah. So, but getting back to what I was saying, the efficiency on the offensive side of the football, Fitzpatrick and the receivers, they just, they just haven't missed a beat no matter who's gone down, whether it be, you know, Parker when we lost him early in that game. I mean, it did affect us, but they, you know, they, they still played decently behind them. Isaiah Ford stepped in and played well on that day. Uh, and it, and it's happened over and over again. So, I just like the fact that they look so much better than they have in years past on offense. Don't you agree with that? I do, but I'm a little concerned about next week because Belichick will take that pass away and and make us have to run the ball, and we're not going to be able to do that. Right. 
you know, I expect a bad game this coming week. Maybe they'll surprise me. But uh, by and large, absolutely, I agree with you. The offense has looked almost to the point of being crisp uh, more times than not. We've had a couple of crap games. There's no doubt about that. But more times than not, Fitzpatrick has looked sharp and, and the receivers are making plays, especially Parker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Parker has Gasicki. just... Gasicki has come on strong the second half of the season as well. He has. I mean, his numbers are starting to pile up a little bit. Yep. And um, it's fun to watch. I mean, what is he up to? Four touchdowns now, Mike, for the yeah. season? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, he didn't have one till <laughs> what, three weeks ago? Three weeks ago. And, you know, when you're, when you're tight ends putting 80 yards, 60, 70 yards up on the board, I mean, Mike, think about what this guy did last year compared to what he's doing this year. It's right. like night and day. He was non-existent. Right. Non-existent. That's fun to watch. He's a fun player to watch. I, I just my my complaint with him is he tends to go down fairly easily. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see him get a little more sturdy on his feet. Uh, hopefully, with some uh, conditioning work, he can do that. You know, and and, and you know, weight training and all that stuff. He needs. I think he needs a stronger lower body. Mm-hmm. You know, he's fun to watch play, and uh, Fitzpatrick is definitely fun to watch play. I love watching the guy. Uh, you know, I don't think he's a full-time answer, you know, for beyond a bridge quarterback, but I, I enjoy watching him play. He makes this season about as enjoyable as it could possibly be. Exactly. I talked about that in the preseason, that it's going to be a fun season whether we're losing every game or not because he's going to make them fun to watch. I mean, well, you told me that when they signed him, and I can't say that I agreed with you because right. I don't think I did. But yeah, you were right. Yeah, the um, compared to what we've been watching, Mike. I mean, look at the teams over the last few years. They had better records. We won more football games. But as I watch games this year and I watch the offense, it, they're just so much. It, it, they're, they're more enjoyable to watch. And you see the statistics and you see, you know, guys making plays on the offensive side consistently. I mean, you know, getting back to Parker, Mike, I think he's close to 1,100 yards now. So yeah. if he has a solid game against New England, the fact that this guy's going to go over, you know, or close to 1,200 yards and he pretty much missed a full game a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks back against the Jets. I think that he got hurt he, early he had in the a game. couple of games with Rosen and Rosen just wasn't really helping anybody. Right. So, you know, you factor in all those things and Parker's becoming a legitimate star receiver in this league. Um, you know, I'm, I'm surprised that he got snubbed. You know, for the Pro Bowl, I felt that, you know, he had that type of season. I know there's some really good names on that list, but I'll tell you what, he's had a very, very comparable season. Um, you know, I know Landry got in, but if you look at Parker's numbers, he's got more touchdown receptions, and um, Landry's a name. Parker's just coming into that's his it. own. So you know, that's he's what gotta, it boils He's got to do it again next year, you know, and the year after. And if he does it next year, there's a good chance he'll be in the Pro Bowl. And if not, he will the year after, but he's got to continue to produce. Yep, absolutely. So, and then Anything else about a, the one a game you want to uh, mention? Well, we've got a new fullback, it looks like, that can catch passes at least for a few seconds. So, um, <laughs> Christian Wilkins. Christian Wilkins. I have a feeling, Mike, we're going to see a little bit more of that uh, in next week and maybe into next season where he's on the field and, and maybe running some balls into the end zone because he's that type of athlete. You know, well, he he's going gonna to have to learn not to fumble it, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, the guy hit the football and out it came. Out it came. He did have the right frame of mind in regards sure. to pouncing on it and, sure. and recovering it. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, they've been fun to watch. I mean, you got to give the coaching staff credit as always. Um, They come up with those type of plays. It seems like every week there's something in the mix. You know, the flea flicker yesterday was wasn't a great pass by Fitzpatrick, but it got the job done, didn't it? Right. So, you know, we've had those every single week, whether it be fake punts or fake field goals or onside kicks early in the game. I mean, this is something that this team has missed as well. They were very, very conservative under Gase. I mean, you never saw these type of things out of him. You just never did. And Gase was definitely conservative. And part of the reason, I think, was the offensive line. And part of the reason, I think, is just Gase is a conservative coach. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Mike, and I'm going to bring up a point to you, and you may not like this, but me and you (laughs) argued over and over and over again about um, still being able to pass the football behind the bad offensive line. And Mr. Fitzpatrick and their offense this year is proving that fact. Is that you know, me and you used to argue? I'm like Mike. He can't be conservative. This offensive line is bad, but they're not the worst in the NFL. There's teams that are worse that get the job done week in and week out. And lo and behold, he threw the ball up 52 times yesterday. We talked about it early. Yeah, in the but year he's to- getting rid of the ball. Quickly. Yes, right. Okay. You're saying under Tannehill, Correct. he wanted to be more conservative. Correct. Right. Well, Mike, he's doing it with Darnold up there in New York, too. I just think that's his frame of mind. Well, I, I think know? as I'm seeing him more and more, I tend to agree with you. I mm-hmm. do think that's his frame of mind. You know, when he was here, I was pretty much making excuses for him because I felt like, you know, when we had the line injuries and, and we were dealing with a, a subpar offensive line for the majority of uh, last year, that uh, he just, you know, was protecting his players. And uh, mm-hmm. that's how I thought he was doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. What's his reason for doing it with Darnold? I, I don't know. I just, well, that's it. So you exactly. have to say, well, maybe he's just... Maybe he just leans more towards conservative, you know. I remember, you know, with uh, Peyton, he certainly wasn't conservative, so I didn't think he was a conservative coach, you know. But Yeah, uh, Peyton like probably he- ran that offense more so than he did Mike. Sure, but <laughs> he's in charge of the player, regardless, you right, know, so he had to give him the freedom to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you would think that, you know, he, he, he believed in a little more of an up-tempo type offense. And, you know, when he came down here, that, that did not happen. You know, I mean, then, then they brought in Grant and they brought in Wilson, guys with speed. So I thought that maybe he was going to try and open it up a little bit. And it, it really, you know, with rare exception, didn't happen there either. It didn't. And you had Stills on this team yeah. who's a burner on the outside. And, you know, Parker was always hurt, so they couldn't count on him. But, you know, it, it is it is what it is. The, the point is, is that they, this coaching staff, and, and that's what we've, you know, we've kind of gotten away from. This coaching staff recognizes what their best chance of winning is, and that is with putting the ball in Fitzpatrick's hands. Well, you and really don't want him throwing it 52 times. You though. don't, I mean, but do you have an option, Mike, if no, you're trying you to win games? That's you really it. don't. You, you don't. Can't. I mean, you, they can try to run the football. but Well, they did, but yeah. it's – Right. It's something they got to do just to keep the defense somewhat honest, you know. They're, yes. they're not doing it to uh, gain five yards of pop because I don't think that's going to happen, and I don't think that they think it's going to happen. Agreed. Hey, guys, I wanted to break in here real quick just to ask a favor of you. On the app that you're listening on, uh, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit like, leave a, a comment on your thoughts of the show. And uh, if you didn't know, we do, we do run a Facebook group. Uh, it's Miami Dolphins number one. That's hashtag one. 
We talk uh, Dolphins football 24-7, 365. We'd love to have you join us and share your thoughts. And uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, Let's make it a habit. We'll see you next week. Uh, We want to talk a little bit about the uh, NFL 100 uh, lists that they're putting together for these positions. And uh, I guess this coming Friday is the finale to that series. They've got a two-hour show. And they're going to be naming, I guess it's 10 quarterbacks that are going to make the NFL 100. And I made a comment on our Facebook page that I did not think that Marino was going to be included in that list. And, um, you know, I went off and I started rattling quarterback names that could potentially be on the list. And, uh, you know, guys like Tarkington, guys like Staubach, uh, you know, and, you know, obviously Breeze and uh, Brady and guys earlier, you know, Otto Graham, White, Tittle, whatever. But there's a bunch of quarterbacks. When you're trying to narrow a list down to 10, I think you start looking at Super Bowls and you start looking at championships. And I do think you start looking for some things that Marino didn't have. Uh, it's in no way a knock against Marino that I say that because in my book, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen play. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. He's right there among among the best. I mean, if you, you're talking about championships, Mike, well, I mean, Brady has done a pretty solid job in regard to getting championships with a lot of different players, a lot of <laughs> a lot of characters. He has, but a he's, had a, he's always had chaos. he's had elite players. He had Randy Moss. He had uh, Welker, Ronkowski, Welker. I mean, and Welker we had. I, you know, that's another nightmare. But you know, the the point is, he had elite talent around him. I'm not sure, as much as I love Mark Duper and Mark Clayton, that anyone would consider them elite. I think they were a great pair together. They were great for those few years. There's no question yeah, about it. Yeah, but, but nobody the, was better than them. I you're can not tell comparing you that much. them to Randy Moss. No. A different time, different different era, different situation. Um, you know, but but getting back to Brady and some of these some of these uh, quarterbacks that have won championships. I mean, Peyton Manning struggled for a long time to get to champ. You know, to get to the Super Bowl, yes, he and did. Um, until they had a semblance of a defense and a running back, he wasn't able to do it. Um, yeah, and the team that's usually stopped them was Brady. Right, Elway won his very late. In his career, when Terrell Davis was there and they had some really good defensive players on that football team. So, you know, I always look at that type of, you know, those type of comments with a grain of salt because it's a team football game. Now, when you're talking about the greatest of all times, I think the first thing that should be looked at is how they were compared to their peers. Okay. And Marino through the 80s was better than anybody, period. In that decade of the 80s, I don't think anybody was better than him statistically. Right. Okay. And there are some 49er fans that may argue Montana was better, but that's, you know, statistically well, that's not true. Well, look at how many look at how many Hall of Fame players Montana had and how how many Hall of Fame caliber players. Yeah, well, Marino had one, uh, Dwight Stevenson. Right. I mean, Montana had Jerry Rice right off the bat. I mean, Roger Craig was incredible. He should be in the Hall of Fame, and I'm sure he's going to get there at some point. They had a great offensive line. They always had veteran guys coming in. They had John Taylor. They had Brent Jones. They had Russ Francis. They always had very, very solid players around Montana. Now, I'm not going to take anything away from Montana. 
the guy was an outstanding quarterback. He was a different quarterback than what Marino was. Very much was. so. He was more Brady than Marino. Well, let me let me put this in perspective, Mike. Joe Montana had 40,000 yards passing when he was uh-huh. all said and done, and Marino had over 60,000. Right. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Now, one, in, one of them had a running game. One of them had a running game. Now, in regard to touchdown passes, I mean, there's no comparison. I mean, Marino had 420. Joe Montana, I, I don't even know where he is on this list. I mean, I, ca- I can't even find him. I don't know if he's in the top. Tw- oh, yeah, there he is. He had 273 touchdown passes for his career. So well over 100 less. Well over 100 less. Now, here's the thing. Um, if Marino doesn't, and this is what we're talking about, if Marino doesn't make the top 10, it's absolutely ridiculous. Because even in today's day and age, where you have guys like Breeze and Brady and Peyton Manning and even Brett Favre near the end of his career playing under different rules, Marino is still in the top five. The only four in front of him at this point are Breeze, Brady, Peyton Manning, and Brett Favre. That's it. Marino's still number five in touchdown passes over over the course of his career. Now, let's go a step further in regard to yardage thrown over a career. Again, there's only four guys ahead of him, and that's the same four. Breeze, Brady, Manning, Favre. They played in a different time, especially the top three. Uh, their statistics are ridiculous. I mean, I've watched Drew Brees when he was trying to break Marino's record that year in a game in the fourth quarter, throwing the ball all over the place when they were up by 25 points. I mean, this is what the game has become. Now, Shula would never do something like that back in the day. You know, you had Strachter, whoever the backup was, come into a game if we were up late in games. It's just a whole different situation mentality. right it's a now. different mentality. So, I mean, me and you are both Dolphin fans. Obviously, we're going to, you know, we're going to favor a guy like Marino over some of these other guys. But you know what? I mean, it goes beyond that, Mike. Statistically, and I mean, just watching the guy, and I know you feel the same way. I don't know if there was anybody better at just dropping back and throwing the football. I, I really don't like believe there's... Like he says, pick a guy and let it fly. And that's exactly what he did. And yep. damn near most of the time, it was spot on target. Right. And and back to your point, past Duper and Clayton, once he lost those guys, I mean, he had marginal receivers the rest of his career. He never had a running game and they never had a defense. You know, so this is a guy that's doing a lot He's doing – it's comparable to what Fitzpatrick is doing with this team this year, only Marino did it year in and year out. Fitzpatrick's doing it for one season, and as much as we tried to bring in running backs to, you know, whether through the draft or through free agency, it just never panned out. So if you want to factor in the fact that championships were not won by this guy, you also have to factor in all the reasons why he didn't win championships, Mike. I mean, you got to have a counterpoint to it. And I don't think that you can really keep a guy like him off of this list for those reasons. So, you know, it'll be a travesty if he's not on it. We'll see what happens Friday. Yep. I mean, you're you're thinking he's not on there, huh? I'm thinking he's not on there. Wow. Man, oh man, I, I'm going to go just slap off if that is in fact the I case. I hope I'm wrong you know? because it's an insult to him if he isn't. It uh, really oh, is. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, this guy held every passing record up until this modern era of quarterbacks came in. You know, Favre passed him, but then Manning, Brady, and Breeze 
again, under different rules and different situations. I mean, Marino had bad legs almost his entire career. You can't hit the quarterback below the waist now. It's not the same. You can't hit him, period, Mike. Yeah, and it's you not can't the same. Receivers. I mean, you know, you, you, it's just, my point is it's just physically it's not the same. Absolutely not. And for him to do what he did with the body that he had is incredible. It, he was absolutely incredible. And uh, I think they that needs to be taken into consideration because those guys got the crap beat out of them. And, uh, you know, that, that 50 or 60,000 yards was not nearly as easy as the guys have it now throwing 50 or 60,000 yards. Uh, great. A lot of those yardage, a lot of those yards came against Bruce Smith barreling down on them. Right. <laughs> At least right. twice a year. Listen, it again, we've watched the game and what it's, what it's come into, yeah, come into, into and yeah. what what it's turned into, and what what you can do on the defensive side of the football compared to what you used to do. I mean, I remember a Raider game down here in the Orange Bowl, Mike, with Lester Hayes and Mike Haynes yeah. playing corners on Duper and Clayton, and I mean both of those guys. I mean Lester Hayes, if anybody knows Didn't football, they have a pick six on the first play of the game. Oh, Haynes brought it back a hundred yeah. yards. You yeah. know, we drove the field, and Marino went right back up the field. Now. Those two corners were incredible, but you factor in that you had Howie Long on one side and Lyle Alzado on the other side barreling down on on him at defensive end, and those guys were just – the Raiders just didn't care back in the they day. They were nasty people. They were nasty guys. <laughs> I mean, Matt Millen was a linebacker. I mean – those guys played some serious football. When they came into town, you knew they were going to cheat. They were going to do anything possible to beat you at the line of scrimmage. And if they, they hit you late, they didn't care. Flag us. They you know, didn't, we'll come back and do it again the right. next play. Nowadays, you have no fear as a quarterback standing back there. Oh, if this guy touches me, it's a 15-yard penalty. Yeah. You know, if the, the receivers could just run rampant in the secondary, you know, compared to what they used to be able to do. So it, it's a different game. And the numbers that these quarterbacks are putting up, putting up is you know is proving that point is that it's yes. a, it's a much easier game to play now from the quarterback position and from the wide receiver position. So you know you factor in all those things and the fact that Marino's still up there in the top five. He's ahead of guys like Roethlisberger. He's still ahead of guys like Eli Manning and Philip Rivers. Guys that have had long careers at this right. point. Right. Aaron Rodgers is Mike. Aaron Rodgers is still. 15,000 yards behind Dan Marino wow. in regard to passing yards. 15,000. I mean, you know, so take some of these things in the perspective. And, you know, it, it's like, you know, in regard to touchdown passes, he's still he's still a little bit less than 60 touchdown passes behind Marino. Right. So Aaron Rodgers is going to have to go out and play at a high level for another three seasons. And Aaron Rodgers has been in the league for a long time at this point. Yeah. So, you know, it, it just tells you what type of quarterback he was. And, you know, I think we spent – a good amount of time on it, and I, I know it's going to come back up if he's off that list, or whether he's on it or off it. I'm sure we'll bring it back up next week when we yeah. uh, when we do the podcast. Well, we're not doing. Uh, I guess it'll be what the uh, Thursday man. of next week, which yeah, will be. No. Let me see. We'll look at the date. The second. Yes, it's the second. So that's yeah. when we'll be back. That's when we'll be back, January second. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, that's the plan. Uh, hope everybody uh, listens. And uh, thanks for joining me this afternoon, Lewis. Oh, you're very, very welcome. We got to give a shout out to uh, Coach Shula. His birthday was, uh, I believe, on Sunday, right? Yes. Yep. So shout out to him. God bless well, him. He they, good. they celebrated it on Sunday. They I celebrated think, it on I don't Sunday. think Sunday was his actual birthday, but uh, at halftime of the game, they presented him with a cake, and that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then they were also celebrating the uh, undefeated team, which they should every chance they get because those guys are starting to fall off. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. All right. All right. Uh, that's a wrap. Fins up. Fins up. All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the FinFans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. 